catechesis with Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Papa Benedict's catechesis on Wednesday, the twenty-first of October, two thousand and nine. Dear brothers and sisters, today I would like to speak about Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, called the last of the fathers of the Church, because in the twelfth century. He once again renewed and made present the great theology of the fathers. We do not know in detail about the years of his childhood. We do know, however, that he was born in 1090 in Fontaine in France, into a numerous and fairly wealthy family. In his adolescence, he devoted himself to the study of the so-called liberal arts, especially grammar, rhetoric, and dialectics. At the school of the canons of Saint Val Church at Châtillon-sur-Seine, and the decision to enter religious life slowly matured. Around the age of twenty, he entered Cîteaux, a new monastic foundation, more agile than the ancient and venerable monasteries of that time, more rigorous than the practice of the evangelical councils. A few years later, in 1115. Bernard was sent by Saint Stephen Harding, the third abbot of Cîteaux, to found the monastery of Clairvaux. Here, the young abbot, only twenty-five years old, was able to refine his own conception of monastic life, and commit to putting it into practice. In looking at the discipline of other monasteries, Bernard decisively recalled the necessity of a sober and measured life, at table as in clothing and in monastic buildings. Recommending the support and care of the poor. Meanwhile, the community of Clairvaux became ever more numerous, and multiplied its foundations. In those same years, before 1130, Bernard started a vast correspondence with many people, both important and of modest social conditions. To the many letters of this period must be added numerous sermons. As well as sentences and treaties, Bernard's great friendship with William, Abbot of Saint Thierry, and William of Champeaux, among the most important figures of the twelfth century, also date from this time. From 1130 onwards, he began to deal with many serious matters of the Holy See and the Church. For this reason, he increasingly had to leave his monastery, and sometimes travel outside of France. He also founded several women's monasteries, and was the protagonist of a lively correspondence with Peter the Venerable, Abbot of Cluny, about whom I spoke last Wednesday. He directed his polemical writings above all against Abelard, a great thinker who started a new way of doing theology by introducing above all the dialectical philosophical method in the construction of theological thought. Another front against which Bernard fought was the heresy of the Cathars, who despised matter and the human body, despising by consequence the Creator. Conversely, he felt duty bound to defend the Jews, condemning the increasingly widespread outbursts of anti-Semitism. For this last aspect of his apostolic action, Ephraim, Rabbi of Bonn, addressed a vibrant tribute to Bernard. A few decades later, in this same period, 
The holy abbot wrote his most famous works, such as the famous sermons on the Song of Songs. In the last years of his life, his death occurred in 1153. Bernard had to limit his journeys, without, however, stopping them altogether. He took the opportunity to review definitively the collection of his letters, sermons, and treatises. It is worth mentioning a rather particular book, which he finished precisely in this period, in 1145, when one of his pupils, Bernardo Pignatelli, was elected pope with the name Eugene III. In this circumstance, Bernard, as spiritual father, wrote to his spiritual son the text De Consideratione, which contains teaching on how to be a good pope. In this book. Which remains fitting reading for the popes of all time, Bernard not only indicates how to be a good pope, but also expresses a profound vision of the mystery of the Church and of the mystery of Christ, which is resolved ultimately in the contemplation of the mystery of God, Triune and One. One must still pursue the search for this God, who is still not sought enough, writes the Holy Abbot, but one can perhaps better seek Him. And more easily find him, with prayer, than with discussion. So let us here put an end to the book, but not to the search, to being on the pathway towards God. I would now like to dwell on two central aspects of Bernard's rich doctrine. They concern Jesus Christ and Mary, most holy, his mother. His solicitude for the Christians' intimate and vital participation in the love of God in Jesus Christ does not bring new orientation to the scientific status of theology, but, in a way more decisive than ever, the Abbot of Clairvaux configures the theologian to the contemplative and the mystic. Only Jesus insists Bernard in front of the complex dialectical reasoning of his time. Only Jesus. Is honey in the mouth, song to the ear, joy in the heart. Mel in ore, in aure melus, in corde jubilum. Precisely from here comes the title, attributed to him by tradition, of Doctor Mellifluous. His praise of Jesus Christ, in fact, flows like honey. In the grueling battles between nominalists and realists, two philosophical currents of the epoch. The abbot of Clairvaux never tired of repeating that there is only one name that counts, that of Jesus the Nazarene. Arid is every food of the soul, he confesses, if it is not bathed with this oil; insipid, if it is not seasoned with this salt. What you write has no taste for me, if I have not read Jesus in it. And he concludes. When you discuss or talk, nothing hath flavour for me if I have not heard the name of Jesus resonate there. For Bernard, in fact, true knowledge of God consists in the personal, profound experience of Jesus Christ and of His love. And this, dear brothers and sisters, is so for every Christian. Faith is first and foremost a personal, intimate encounter with Jesus. It is experiencing his closeness, his friendship, his love, and it is only thus that one learns to know him more and more, 
to love him and follow him more and more. May this happen for each one of us. In another famous sermon on the Sunday in the Octave of the Assumption, the Holy Abbot describes in passionate terms Mary's intimate participation in the redemptive sacrifice of the Son. O Holy Mother, he exclaims, truly a sword pierced your soul. So deeply has the violence of sorrow pierced your soul that rightly we can call you more than martyr because in you the participation in the passion of the Son by far surpasses in intensity the physical sufferings of martyrdom. Bernard had no doubts. Per Mariam ad Jesum, through Mary, we are led to Jesus. He attests with clarity to Mary's subordination to Jesus according to the foundations of traditional Mariology but the body of the sermon also documents the Virgin's privileged place in the economy of salvation, following the Mother's most particular participation, compassio, in the sacrifice of the Son. Not for nothing, a century and a half after Bernard's death, Dante Alighieri, in the last canticle of the Divine Comedy, was to put on the lips of the mellifluous doctor the sublime prayer to Mary, Virgin Mother, daughter of your Son, humbled and exalted more than any creature, fixed term of the eternal counsel. These reflections, characteristic of a lover of Jesus and Mary, like St. Bernard, in a salutary way, provoke still today not only theologians but all believers. Sometimes one pretends to have resolved the fundamental questions about God, about man and about the world, with the sole forces of reason. Instead, St. Bernard, solidly founded on the Bible and the fathers of the Church, reminds us that, without a profound faith in God, nourished by prayer and contemplation, by an intimate relationship with the Lord, our reflections on the divine mysteries risk becoming a vain intellectual exercise and lose their credibility. Theology refers to the science of the saints, to their intuition of the mysteries of the living God, to their wisdom, gift of the Holy Spirit, which become a point of reference for theological thought. Together with Bernard of Clairvaux, we too must recognize that man better seeks and more easily finds God with prayer than with discussion. In the end, the truest figure of a theologian and of every evangelizer remains that of the Apostle John, who laid his head on the heart of the Master. I would like to conclude these reflections on St. Bernard with the invocations to Mary, which we read in one of his beautiful homilies. In dangers, in distress, in uncertainties, he says, Think of Mary, invoke Mary. Let her never be detached from your lips, let her never be detached from your heart. And that you may obtain the help of her prayer, never forget the example of her life. If you follow her, you will not go astray. If you pray to her, you will not despair. If you think of her, 
you cannot be deceived. If she sustains you, you do not fall. If she protects you, you have nothing to fear. If she guides you, you do not grow tired. If she is favourable to you, you will reach the goal. Sir